Today on the show, we're attending our honors history class to learn all about the history of humanity that the church doesn't want you to know. Oh my God. Have y'all ever wondered why Kwisatz Haderach is never used in the Bible? I do wonder about that all the time. Good. Stay tuned for the truth, Leo. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for the truth. <laughs> Welcome to Gom Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe from frank herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and tv bless you my name is leo (laughs) (laughs) and my name is abu and today we are doing it we are finally talking about the benny jesuit sisterhood oh my god all right and it's (laughs) it's taken us a long time to make this decision but that's because as you'll see there's so much to talk about. Indeed. It's crazy. It's wild. It's wild. And look, this has been a long time coming. We've had listeners request episodes on the Benny Gesserit basically since we started this podcast. Right. But we want to shout out Aviva Bashan in particular. Right. They wrote to us, requested a Benny Gesserit deep dive. And so here we are finally delivering. Yes. We've put this off long enough. Specifically, they requested a early history of the Benny Gesserit deep mm-hmm. dive. and. I feel like it's good to start here with the Benny Gesserit, and then we will get to we'll get toward the first pages of Dune, which actually, regarding housekeeping, let's make shout out Mapes proud quickly. That's right. Spoiler warning. No spoilers. Zero spoilers. Yep. If anything, we're spoiling the real world today and history <laughs> for the real world because we are talking about things like twenty thousand years before the first pages of Dune. That's right. So no spoilers. Safe to listen. And of course, at the top of every episode, we want to shout out our Kwisatz Haderach level patrons, Case Aiken, Matthew Good. Gentlemen. Yes. We would track your history back to your tribalistic roots uh-huh. because that's how much we care about you. And that's how grateful we are for your generosity. And you're probably both Kwisatz Haderachs. That's so true. I mean, honestly, if I was to name current candidates. Yeah. You're both up there. Totally. A big thank you to you both. But of course, that thank you extends to all of our Patreon supporters who help make this show possible. Indeed. So let's talk about today's episode. Yes. An overview. What can you expect? Well, despite our initial instinct to try to talk about everything prior to Dune, (laughs) turns out you can't. There's way too much. So for today's episode, we're going to be going through the history of the Bene Gesserit order in chronological order. Right. From the earliest things we could find, looking back at literally the tribal roots of the order back on Earth or old Terra. Mm -hmm. We're going to focus on their history on Terra. And there are just some absurd connections between early Bene Gesserit history and our history, which is fun. Buckle up. And then we're going to leave the remainder of the Bene Gesserit history for a part two Maybe even a part three. Right. (laughs) Depending on how much there is to cover. Right. There's a lot of ground to cover. Indeed. And as always, just as a note, of course, we're using the Dune Encyclopedia entry for the backbone of this episode. Yep. So without further ado, just kidding. Let's take a quick break. (laughs) 
But stay tuned. When we're back, we're going to talk about the earliest tribal history of the Bene Gesserit. Indeed. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All righty, folks. Welcome back. Let's crack open our history books, and jump into the early history of the Bene Gesserit. So as a quick note, before we dive into the details, we want to make it clear that Frank Herbert himself left the early history of the Bene Gesserit a big question mark. He never actually solidified what the canon was for the Bene Gesserit order. And it was left up to other writers, like the writers of the Dune Encyclopedia, or Brian Herbert, to fill in those gaps Uh of the history of the Bene Gesserit. Now, if you're listening to this episode closer to or after the HBO miniseries comes out, the Sisterhood miniseries, you may notice some differences because that miniseries is based off of Brian and Kevin J. Anderson's work. Right. Today, we'll be focusing primarily on what the Dune Encyclopedia tells us about the Bene Gesserit history, which does diverge quite a bit from what Brian and Kevin wrote. So we just wanted to flag that here at the top. True. If you're coming into this, having watched the HBO series and you're like, this is totally different. That's why we're talking about what the Dune encyclopedia says. Why aren't they literally sorcerers? And it's like, because (laughs) it's totally out of, (laughs) it's a weird weird choice. And if you're confused by that canonicity debate, we did a whole episode, go back in the feed, search for an episode called the messy canon of Dune. We break it all down for you. (laughs) Indeed. So let's start off. Let's talk about ancient Bene Gesserit history. Yeah. And this goes back. So we're at this point in history. It's what is this? 29,000 years before the first pages of Dune. Wow. Humanity is only on Earth, is only on Terra. And we actually are back toward the Indus Valley civilization and Mesopotamia. Right. So this is literally humanity is still very tribal is still very primitive in many ways. Mm -hmm. And the earliest seeds of the genetic family group that would eventually have the name the Bene Gesserit, which I think throughout this episode, we're just going to call them the Bene Gesserit. Right. We will make it clear when they get that name and where that name comes from. But the earliest seeds of the group that would become the Bene Gesserit are in those aforementioned places. So in the Indus Valley Civilization and Mesopotamia, which actually puts their earliest roots in real-world terminology in the area of Pakistan and Iraq, somewhere between 3300 BCE and 1300 BCE is the first kind of beginnings of this Bene Gesserit genetic group. Right. Again, 29,000 years (laughs) before Dune begins. So if you're worried about spoilers, don't. Yeah, that's silly. (laughs) We are not going to be talking about that. (laughs) But from the earliest moments, one of the remarkable markers of this genetic group was an ability to share group consciousness. Yeah. Basically, sharing in other people's direct visceral experiences. So you feel pain, I feel pain. You come to some understanding, I also have that understanding. 
It's very cool. It's kind of this group shared thing. Yeah, and that set this group apart. That was a unique aspect of this particular group. And what's interesting is over the next few thousand years, the men of this group began to lose that ability. Right. As the generations went by, men were not able to tap into that group consciousness. Yeah, and to be clear, this is a genetic trait. Right. There is a gene present in each of these people yes. that allows this ability if it's active, if the gene is active. Totally. And the Dune Encyclopedia even tells us that this fictional anthropolinguist named Maro Gabato yeah. suggested through their research that the men losing this ability was perhaps actually psychological in nature. Mm -hmm. Because as you said, this is a gene. They didn't weed out this gene. This was actually a dominant gene. Right that was present in everyone in this group. So why would the right. only the men suddenly be losing this ability? <laughs> Maro Gabato suggests that it was actually a conscious repression over many generations. It, it, it was a choice that was made for a couple of different reasons. Mm. Maro points out that the men in this culture, in this early tribal culture, were the primary defenders, right? The warriors of the clans and the groups. And it makes it harder to fight when you're on the battlefield and can feel the, quote, immediate pain of their wounded or captured companions, end quote. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> that would be distracting. <laughs> Morrow's got a point. Like when you're yeah. on the battlefield, if you can feel every single one of your companions injuries because of this group consciousness, that's going to hurt your ability to fight. I can barely play Tekken if I'm listening to a song that has lyrics. Right. Let alone if I was feeling the pain of other people playing Tekken. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's a solid point. Yeah. That makes total sense that that's a reason that the men would start repressing this group consciousness. Another potential factor in this that Morrow points out is that the men with this gene who had this active gene, which is most of them early on. Yeah. Or even like. Even if every man has the gene, because if they're part of this family group, they have this dominant gene. Right. The gene may not be active in expressing that ability. Right. Yeah. Like the light switch isn't flipped on for the gene, but it's there. Right. right. You know, the switch is still there. Morrow suggests that the men that did have the active gene where the switch was turned on and they were tapped into the group consciousness, they would actually experience the pain of giving birth when the women around them would give birth which, quote, tended to produce impotence, end quote. I couldn't tell if this was like literally they then were unable to impregnate. Like I, I, I couldn't tell if it was like the feelings of that pain in that region mm. rendered them incapable of, of procreating. Yeah. Or if it was they're like, oh, that's what it feels the like. Horror, Fuck right. that. <laughs> I'm not going to. I love this woman. I'm not going to put her through that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I can't tell it didn't like explicitly say one way or the other. Either way, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's both. Yeah, probably. I'm sure the pain of like having your groin ripped apart as a man, even though it's not yours, you know, it's your wife's or lover's. That probably scars you mentally. <laughs> or your neighbor's wife or lover, <laughs> which is like weirder. <laughs> yeah, weirder, scandalous, still horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it also, it's just like the realization that many men to this day don't have. Right. 
the fact that birth is like a horrific, painful situation that women are just expected to go through. Yeah. These men experienced it for themselves. And as Maro <laughs> suggests, it perhaps led to impotence. And so, again, the men who repressed the consciousness or whose active genes were flipped off on the off switch, they were the ones that continued to thrive and survive over the generations. <laughs> the chads of the, the, the early chads. family. Right. They're like, bro, like, what's the big deal? Just <laughs> knock a lady up. It's fine. <laughs> it's like you don't understand the pain it causes them. All right, sounding like a non-breeder, bro. I'm yeah. going to go on and procreate. Exactly. The chads <laughs> of this group, unfortunately, were thriving. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> So despite the chads thriving, I will say <laughs> there's another element here to the yeah. gene, and it's the women. Because as it turns out, over thousands of years, some women were also suddenly losing the ability to tap into the group consciousness. And this slow decline led to a major problem. Quote, the active females only retained the memories of past active females thus losing half the personal history of the family, end quote. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's huge. Especially when we're talking like tribal era, maybe this is pre-writing, pre-history, pre, you know, like the way they hold on to their history as a people is through this group consciousness, through the memories of their ancestors. Yeah. And suddenly, over thousands of years, the men are dropping off and some of the women are starting to drop off too. And now we can only access half of what we knew about ourselves. Yeah, this is also the first time that we're getting this reference to memory specifically. Right. And one of the defining qualities of the Bene Gesserit is this other memory that you can remember back to every genetic ancestor that you've had. And you can remember all of their memories up to the point of your conception. And that is a thing. Like, that's a thing in Dune, and it's a thing for the Bene Gesserit. Right. This is the first time that we're getting reference to this. Um, so it's unclear to me if maybe the uh, memories were part of this from the beginning, or if this is an emergent thing in these fewer women that still have the active gene. The point is, and the most important thing is, it is, as you said, like an oral tradition that only has oral history right. losing half of their history. And right. half of their memories and half of the experience of this cultural group. Totally. So devastating, right? Like this is the sort of thing that would be a, a, a tragedy for most ethnic groups. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is actually the origin point of what we'll later call the Kwisatz Haderach, basically. Yeah. 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 Because it's around the time this issue is identified that the desire to breed an active male strain was founded. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, shit, we got to start breeding these males so that they both have the gene and that the light switch of the gene is turned on. Like, right. we can't lose this much of our history, this much of our memory. And so, in order to regain access basically to their complete memory and to their complete consciousness, which they used to have in the earliest days, this group sets out on a mission to start carefully breeding their men and their women to make sure that this gene is there and that it's active. Right. Yeah. It's that dream, right, of filling in the gaps in a culture's history. Yeah. And it's very viscerally tied to that genetic expression. Totally. It's very interesting. Yeah. And it leads to actually a, a few thousand years where basically the culture that's emerging here, the society that's emerging here, 
becomes matriarchal. Yes. Matri- matriarchal? Matriarchal. I feel like I always add a syllable. <laughs> right. Uh, led by the women. <laughs> yeah. Led by the, the women with the active genetic traits. So the women in charge of this family group are now proto Bene Gesserit who have memories and they have this group consciousness and they are leading the culture. Right. They also are leading the culture specifically through a sort of like mother goddess religious structure. And this is also when they start expanding out to other tribes and other peoples and they start actually kind of connecting and, and interconnecting other societies. Right. Because they they're looking for these other genetic markers that might activate, might flip on that switch for a guy, for one of their their men with the trait. Totally. And this is also the beginning of this group, the Bene Gesserit, using religious structures as a means of control and yep. even among their own order, right? Because these are a few women who have these memories and have this group consciousness. They are leading people who do not and thus people who are reliant on them as storytellers and myth makers. Totally. This is the point at which the ones in charge, the women in charge of the Bene Gesserit order, have that ability to say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to keep this secret. We're going to tell that because we have the ability to create from nothing these religious structures and people kind of just have to trust us. Right. Right. Like we are the ones with access to the group consciousness and to the memories of our past. So what we say goes. Right. And they use that to their advantage. And you can really start to see this to me is sort of like the focal point where the Bene Gesserit that we know from the books is born, right? Yeah. Missionary Protectiva, Lisa Al Gaib, all of the myth making and breeding and political tampering, working from the shadows, all of that MO that exists for the Bene Gesserit in the books as we know them, you can start to see the parallels here. When this matriarchal society comes into power, when they start connecting with other cultures and sort of intermarrying their people in order to control the breeding, all of that just like screams classic Bene Gesserit. Like th- yeah. th- this is where the uh, earliest sort of procedures and workflows for the order <laughs> yeah. come into shape. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And they're successful. They're very good at it. Oh, yeah. So good at it, by the way, that over, (laughs) what is it, this hundreds of years, thousands of years, for a couple of thousand years, they managed to cover two continents. Wow. This genetic group has now covered two continents. Not sure if this means Europe and Asia or Eurasia and Africa. Based on later verbiage, it's probably Eurasia as one continent and then Africa as a second continent. Yeah, because the Dune Encyclopedia refers to the North group and the South group. So we kind of have to play the guessing game of which continents they're talking about. Yeah. God, there was so many (laughs) guessing games involved in this research, (laughs) but it's true. I think the the best bet is that by the end of this period, the Bene Gesserit family group that have these genetic markers who have this plan right. and have this goal to reunite their earliest memories is covering all of Eurasia and Africa, which is wild. Wild. Just through interbreeding, through uh, intermarrying. This is also during a period in which they established an, quote, extensive training and indoctrination program for active females, end quote. Wow. So... If they had women who were born, wherever they are, 
if they have the active gene traits, they're like, cool, we have to train them, we have to indoctrinate them, make sure that they're on board with our kind of cultural plan, basically. Totally. You don't want females out there who are sensitive to these abilities, to this group consciousness ability, who have the active gene to just be rogue, right? Right. Like, first of all, they don't know how to control their abilities. And second of all, you got to make sure that they're in line with the plan, right? That you have indoctrinated them. Right. And that they have bought in to your ideals, to your vision for humanity or for your group or whatever. Again, another classic Benny Gesserit trait that we see start to formulate in this era as early as their tribal history, as they spread out across these two continents, they are beginning to rope in every active female. Yeah. It's very like, are you a force sensitive child? (laughs) Yeah. You're going to go to the Jedi temple or a Jedi training class and become a Jedi, right? Or I think about like Charles Xavier, right? Charles Xavier. Going out and being like, hey, you have mutant powers? Cool. I've got a school for gifted, you know, Benny Gesserit. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Sisters. Exactly. It's funny though, because like you bringing up the force, yeah, these kind of extra human abilities, but that are biological in nature. Right. They're not, it's not sorcery. It's, you know, it's mitochondria. (laughs) (laughs) But also like even the mutants, the, the idea of mutants, this is effectively that. And so when we talk about like Xavier, we talk about Jedi, we are talking about similar or parallel myths to this idea of the Bene Gesserit abilities. And I say all of that as a segue to this next incredible little anecdote, Yeah, which is that because the Bene Gesserit were kind of quietly infiltrating these vast cultures from coast to coast, you know, across Eurasia and also Africa, we actually start to see that this particular culture's, quote, belief in universal consciousness through transferred memory was incorporated into Terran mythos through the idioms of demonic possession and reincarnation. Hello. End quote. So. Wow. The idea that today many cultures in the world are like reincarnation and demonic possession. We can tie that back now canonically <laughs> to the <laughs> Bene Gesserit having these abilities at the time of Indus City v- Valley civilization and yeah. Mesopotamia yeah. and these early tribal periods. So I'd like to think that the conjuring uh-huh. and the exorcism of <laughs> Emily Rose <laughs> are effectively Benny Gesserit nightmares and <laughs> like uh-huh, uh-huh. fear mongering propaganda. Also, having been raised Buddhist, I'm like, hey, right, cool. <laughs> like, so my as part of my upbringing was studying some Benny Gesserit <laughs> beliefs. It was dope. It's cool. I love it. You have the Benny Gesserit to thank. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Benny Gesserit, for my <laughs> early childhood time in the Shambhala Center. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And as we stated, these beliefs didn't just spread through intermingling and marrying and, and seeding themselves into these cultures. The Benny Gesserit, at this point in their history, were actively spreading their influence right. through training centers that they opened in various cities across these continents to basically further their goals. These training centers for females who tested positive for the gene, basically. <laughs> they got the two lines on the genetic test. Exactly. The nasal swab. <laughs> oh, shit. Five days paid time off. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> active gene. 
So the Bene Gesserit are doing very well for themselves. It's like the yeah. TLDR of this era of their time period. They're spreading quickly. They're opening up training centers and archives, most importantly. Yeah. Remember, their ultimate goal here is to control breeding. And to control breeding, you need a lot of charts. Yeah. So there's like archives being built, training centers being built all across these cultures and continents as the Bene Gesserit continue to spread their beliefs and influence. Right. It's true. And and this is also what, you know, you're you're right. This is a golden era for the Bene Gesserit in, as they begin to lay their foundation. Yeah. And I think if this era had not gone this well, we would be looking at a very different modern power structure. Oh, yeah. But as we kind of wrap up talking about the tribal period of the Bene Gesserit, this is also when, as they spread out across these two continents, they need to have sort of a central leading force, like a, yeah. a, a group of not exactly elected representatives, <laughs> but women to kind of guide the order right. and guide the, the family group. And this is where we get an intertribal group called the Mothers, capital T, capital M, which uh, established this order, this little group of women, to control the more widely spread out gene carriers. And then there is the Great Mother, capital G, capital M, uh, who ultimately leads the group, who is sort of like the guiding Reverend Mother. Right. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, sort of their hierarchical power structure, right? Like yeah. as they grew, as they expanded, they had to come up with some sort of political slash governmental way to control all of their influence and power and their protégés out there, their training centers, all of that. So yeah, we have the mothers who I imagine are sort of like governors, the regional governors of particular areas. And then at the top, you have the great mother who's in charge of everyone. Yeah. I also, you know, the word control is really important here because they are controlling the genetic markers. And so yeah. as people are born with these genetic markers and these genetic qualities, they are trying to keep track of who's where and to make sure that their breeding is also controlled. Yeah. So what they would do if they were settled, if they intermarried into or if they found their way to matriarchal, I think I added a syllable again, it's fine. If they found their, their way into like a women-led society, yeah, they would basically slowly assume control. <laughs> they would just be like, okay, yeah, now we're in charge. Right. I am the captain now. <laughs> we are the captain now. <laughs> Indeed. And if they found their way into a patriarchal society, they couldn't assume command because of those other cultural kind of power structures. So instead, they would maneuver themselves to be married to the leaders or like present at the side of whoever was in charge. Yep. Which is another pattern that we then see across Bene Gesserit history. Exactly. If they're not the ones in charge, they have the ear of the ones in charge so that they can continue to exert influence, even when they're not necessarily like yeah. the leader. Yeah, absolutely. When they couldn't overtly just be in charge, they were working from the shadows and they were as close to power, as adjacent to power as they could get. Right. And thus they could influence these societies from the shadows, which is a very classic Benny Gesserit maneuver. Totally. Something they will do for the rest of their history, basically. <laughs> yeah. The other really important thing that changes near the end of this tribal era is how their goal of an active male strain, right? Their goal for many generations now has been to create males who have the active gene so they can get their full history and consciousness back. That goal slowly evolves 
as they insert themselves into other cultures. Mm -hmm. And what it sort of morphs into is less the idea of, oh, we need males with the active strain, and more the idea of a male savior. Right. Which is an idea, again, that will sound very familiar to those of us that know about the Kwisatz Haderach. And this legend, this mythos around the male savior often referenced a male who had this genetic trait and could understand the future, right? which is new. Previously, having the genetic trait was just a goal to tap into their consciousness, to their past, to their history. Right, right. Yeah. As the myth around this evolved and the idea of a male savior came into being, the idea of that person being able to access the future also started to grow. And they often use this, honestly, as a way to sort of strategically further their own agendas, particularly right. in those patriarchal societies, right? right. Yeah. If you go to yeah. a group of men and you're like, there's going to be this Chad who's going to save us all, <laughs> all the sounds Chads right. in charge are going to be like, fuck uh -huh. yeah, bro. Yeah, sounds right. Would be a man. <laughs> would be a man that would save the world. Makes sense to me. Chad. Of exactly. society. <laughs> exactly. So this myth of the male savior honestly evolved because the Bene Gesserit were sneakily furthering their goals by selling the people what they wanted to hear. Yeah. You are a bunch of chads. A chad will come save us all. <laughs> trust me. It's also brilliant because many of these proto Bene Gesserit are like infiltrating, coming to cultures from other cultures. And yeah. they are strangers to society or they're strangers to the culture. But- did you hear that this stranger to the culture is actually pregnant and could be bearing Savior Chad? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, Savior mm -hmm. Chad, Savior Chad. I was going to say she's not welcome because she looks different than me. Right, but right, right, bro. Might, uh, might, uh, might have Savior Chad. And yeah. that's, uh, that's pretty righteous. That's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> right. We shouldn't kill her yet, I think. No, 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 no. Let her, let her, uh, let her have. And then she, you know, breaks down their. <laughs> misogyny <laughs> quietly and slowly and eventually by the time she gives birth they're like nah she can stay she's cool she's right, cool right. she's like a bro she's got a backwards baseball cap on she's super yeah, bad yeah. <laughs> an honorary chat she's an honorary chat she comes to like football night it's great <laughs> <laughs> yo she drinks beer that's crazy she drinks beer whoa I didn't know she was cool like that <laughs> <laughs> what is this <laughs> that how they spoke in ancient Mesopotamia. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rip this bong one more time, and then we're going to talk about this outsider to their culture. <laughs> wow. Who knew every frat house was just tapping into our tribal nature? <laughs> oh, God. That's sad. And That's true. sad, indeed. But you, you have an excellent point here. Yeah. The mothers, like, quickly realize that if we keep talking about this male savior, it works out super well for us. Like, it accomplishes... Two huge things. Right. As you stated, one, it protects pregnant women, even if they are considered foreign or odd or outsiders. The Chads aren't going to just murder the women because, hey, she got pregnant. She may have the Chad savior to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other thing that it achieves <laughs> is that it reminds people of a past where men used to be part of this group consciousness, right? It's like a reminder, hey, a male savior will come. And we'll we'll live in this like rose colored past where things were better and all the men and all the women tapped into the group conscious. Things were great. Things were great back then. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you remember when the guys could do this? 
<laughs> well, there will be a guy named Chad who will be able to do this and he'll bring back the good old days. It was like this reminder to these societies that the good old days existed when all the Chads could tap into the consciousness. In a word, he's going to make Mesopotamia great again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so male savior became like the go-to method basically, right. for the Bene Gesserit group, for these mothers, for the great mother to infiltrate these societies, these ever-growing patriarchal societies, and sell them on their beliefs and their ultimate goal. And you can see this is the seed of what will be the Kwisatz Haderach and what will become the goal of the Bene Gesserit for tens of thousands of years to come. It's also interesting because this is, I mean, effectively how religions grow, right? Yeah. We're seeing the mother goddess structure that was initially created almost not necessarily explicitly cynically, but like as a means of control, we're seeing it change as well. Right. And this will become another thing that the Bene Gesserit, as much as they're using these things as means of control, have beliefs of their own. Totally. That are also changing as they're encountering these other people. These Absolutely. Other Absolutely. It's it's a slow form of religious evolution right. for these groups and for the Bene Gesserit. Totally. Great point. Okay, so that covers the tribal era, the very earliest era of the Bene Gesserit. We're going to take a little break now, but don't go anywhere, folks, because next we'll be talking about the Bene Gesserit era, where they get their name, and where we start to make some very direct connections <laughs> yeah. between Bene Gesserit history, Dune history, and real life human history. <laughs> There's going to be some characters you'll recognize. The, so you won't tuned. believe these six historical <laughs> figures right after this break. <laughs> Hell yeah. There's the more clickbait version of the ad Yeah, toss. there you go. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed your break. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Bene Gesserit as they get their name. So, following the tribal era, <laughs> we start to see this intertwining of Bene Gesserit history and what we know as like our real world history. Right. And the first example we have of this shocking interconnection, records speak of, quote, a man from the northeast of the Great Sea. Okay. End quote. Who conquered much of the surrounding territories and established a great library. Wait a second. Oh, wait a second. 
Alexander the fucking Great. Oh my god. <laughs> and the Library of Alexandria. Yeah. Which apparently was staffed by Benny Gesserit, like librarians, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who were using this library as like a central database of breeding records. Wow. <laughs> it's fascinating. I love it. I love that so much. And what's I think key here is that Alexander the Great is referred to as a potential male savior, as as yes. a potential Kwisatz right. Haderach, right? We're going to get a number of potential Kwisatz Haderach candidates, basically, throughout Benny Gesserit history. Yeah. Alexander the Great was one of them. Totally. Yeah. They're, they're still looking for this guy who can maybe have a sense of the future. He's got the group consciousness and he has the memories of the ancestral past. Yeah. And as much as it's going to seem perhaps a little arbitrary, these people that we mentioned, I think what's worth noting here is that if trained, if used well, these powers are a huge advantage. Yeah. Those abilities are an advantage. It could be debilitating, right? We saw the men of this tribal group repress these abilities in order to be able to be effective fighters in combat and be able to continue having children (laughs) (laughs) for whatever reason. Point is, we can see how it's debilitating, but know that it could also be very, very powerful. So if someone like Alexander is born and his mother is a Bene Gesserit, or has this just genetic marker and she is reporting to the great mother and the, the council of mothers. She's yeah. like, yo, my kid has the gene right. and is very good at stuff. They could be like, okay, cool. Train him. Make sure he knows whatever is possible so that maybe he's going to be it. And Alexander the Great ended up not being the savior. But we can start to see how the training and the genetic qualities set you up for success. <laughs> totally. Make you very likely to be a historically significant person. Totally. And, you know, the real Alexander the Great got some of the best education of his time. You it's know? true. Yeah. Military training, like education, training in philosophy, history, whatever. It's not hard to believe that the Benny Gesserit were like, this is this guy's maybe maybe our guy. Let's make sure he's well trained. Yeah. Get him better teachers. Right. Totally. Get, give him the leg up. And as a result, you know, he conquered all of that territory, established the Library of Alexandria, <laughs> yeah. which miraculously the Bene Gesserit were like, let's turn that into like a breeding records place and insert yeah. our people into the staff. Classic. I love it. I also like the idea of him being like, mother, I've conquered the whole of all of it. And she's like, mm. you're not quite the savior. Though. <laughs> Could have been better. Could have been better. He's like, right. why, mother? <laughs> why? <laughs> Was it not enough? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't conquer the world. Didn't conquer the world. Ugh. <laughs> and you can barely see the future. You're a fucking failure. You're a fucking fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Alexandra the fuck up is what I call you. Yeah. Ugh. Mother, please. <laughs> mother. Mother, please. <laughs> All right. So a- after Alexander the fuck up fucks up one last time and dies. <laughs> Ugh. Cringe. Cringe. What a loser. <laughs> This is where we get the origins of the actual name, Benny Gesserit. Yeah. So after Alexander's death, a core group of mothers continued to maintain the breeding records at the Library of Alexandria. Right. And this group eventually joined up with another group from the Northwest to sort of consolidate power and resources. And they began to call themselves the Benny Gesserit. It's spelled a little differently. Right. I think it's still said Benny Gesserit, but it's 
G E S S E R A T. Right, right. And this was actually a bit of cheeky wordplay on their part because Benny means good and Jezerat means to carry or to bear. Right. As in, they are the ones who are striving to breed the savior, to carry the savior, to bear the savior of all humanity. Right. And they are doing good for the world. So it's a bit of fun wordplay from the Benny Jesuit here to call themselves that. And the name stuck because obviously that's what they're called for the rest of their time in Dune history. Yeah, it's so cool. I think it's super, Amazing. super awesome. Yeah. Well, all of this carries us to our next notable historical figure. Oh, okay. So another maybe name you've heard of. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He declared himself a living god emperor. Okay. And was said to have birthed Several generations of active trait males. All right. Pretty, pretty incredible. So strong genes in this one. We are talking about <laughs> Emperor Julius Caesar. Wow. Of Caesar salad fame. <laughs> and his children with the Benny Gesserit, Livia. Incredible. Who's also <laughs> like another historical figure. Really incredible stuff. Uh, Julius Caesar, potential Quisat Tatarak, potential savior. Love it. Now, one of his children, the uh, one of the many children that had this active trait, actually also became the first known instance of abomination. Mm. So abomination is something that we talk about in Dune. It's not really something you encounter until the later books as much. But at this point in history, we have this child of Julius Caesar who is described as a man who, quote, heard voices and claimed to be both male and female, end quote. Okay. And this is the first instance that we see of the Bene Gesserit encountering this and realizing the potential danger of this. Yeah. And so it is at this point that the Bene Gesserit establish a, uh, like basically a series of trainings and safeguards against possession, against abomination. And they make their stance on abomination abundantly clear. Right. Quote. In the male and female consciousness, there reside personalities of such evil and such power that they endanger the species. Wow. They stand ready to dominate any untrained soul. When one's soul becomes dominated, possessed by such an ancestral evil, one becomes an abomination. Mm -hmm. A fleshly house inhabited by a monster. Okay. <laughs> Immediate death uh, is the only release for such a soul. End quote. <laughs> wow. Also, a fleshly house <laughs> inhabited by a monster. Damn. Good lord. That's my next that's my go to diss. If someone Hell, like yeah. fucks up, yeah. like they're you know, you get to the top of the escalator and then they don't they like stop walking <laughs> to look at their phone. Just yell at them. You are a fleshly house and dominated, dominated by, by a monster. monster. Immediate death is the only release <laughs> for your soul. The, huh? What? What? <laughs> it must be a Dune fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this is notable because Abomination becomes such a key part of the Dune story. Yeah. And it's here, a descendant of Julius Caesar and Livia, who is the first person to show traits of abomination, this possession by your inner memories, by your inner voices who start to take over your body. And for the Bene Gesserit, obviously that's horrific. Right. They don't want that to happen to any of their members. And as they've stated here, 
it poses a potential risk to humanity, to the whole species, because of their breeding program. So, yeah, they'd want to make sure abomination is never present along any of their lineages in any of their breeding programs, because that poses a huge danger. And so their stance is, as you stated, very clear. Immediate death. You know, there, there's <laughs> yeah. one antidote to this yeah. poison. I also will point out, we are still 25, 26,000 years before Dune. Yeah. Maybe more. And Benny Gesserit characters talk about abomination with this, like, visceral repulsion. Yes. And it's so worth remembering. If you're reading a book from Dune and a Benny Gesserit character says the word abomination, capital A, they are thinking about 30,000 years right. of fear and of repulsion. Again, they're deciding <laughs> 28,000 years before Dune begins, you have to kill Abomination. Right. Only solution. And here's how we're going to train. Here's how we're going to prevent. It is the thing we have to be very, very careful with, with our genetic markers. Totally. It's the thing you imagine every Bene Gesserit school and training program, it's the thing you imagine is whispered in the hallways, right? Right. Like ever since you're a young woman in that school, abomination is the thing yeah. that you're taught to fear, you're taught to avoid at all costs. Right. And it's the thing that like people whisper about. Did you hear Jenny? She's maybe an abomination. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, we're literally talking tens of thousands of years of fearing this uh, horrible outcome. It's true. Now, moving on from Julius Caesar, we've now named two people, right? Alexander right. the Great, Julius Caesar, potential Cuisettes, Hatteracks. Casual. Didn't pass the final tests, but yeah. they had some of the abilities. They were both kind of underwhelming, to be honest. Right, you know? right. The Benny Gesserit, <laughs> high standards. We need Really more. slacked off, both of them. Totally. <laughs> we have a couple more, though. Sure. That continue to crop up throughout human history. We get more of these potential, quote-unquote, male saviors who have the active trait gene. And they crop up a number of times throughout human history. And what's interesting, as we've established, the Dune Encyclopedia is a historical document within Dune. Right, right. And as these historians are trying to piece together Benny Gesserit history, they're also trying to piece together who these male saviors are. And for the historians in the Dune Encyclopedia, this is like ancient, 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 ancient <laughs> history, you know? Yeah. 30, yeah. 40, 50,000 years ago, they know very little about some of these early Earth history male saviors. Right. For example, one that crops up and is referenced in the Dune Encyclopedia <laughs> uh -huh. is a little known guy huh. by the name of Jesus. Oh, I read that as Jesus. <laughs> I was like, oh, don't know him. <laughs> Some of you might have heard of him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jesus himself. <laughs> I didn't listen to the audiobook. I don't know the pronunciation of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've always called it Jesus in my mind every time I read yeah. it. <laughs> so here's the quote from the Dune Encyclopedia. Yeah. <laughs> quote, from the Southern unit came a savior strong enough to produce disciples who proselytized deep into the Northern territories. Mm. But our analysis of this entity is inhibited by the Holy Church's impounding all references made to this figure in the tapes that have been translated. Guard Bible specialists are the only people allowed to access these translations. End quote. Wow. So the historians are having a tough time <laughs> getting access to records on Jesus because some group called the Holy Church and their people known as the Guard Bibles are blocking them. Right. Blocking access to more records about 
Jesus. But the historians in the Dune Encyclopedia have at least made the connection that he was a potential Kwisatz Haderach in Benny Gesserit records. Yeah, it's worth remembering that also all of this is following. There was the Orange Catholic Bible is like the most widespread religious texts available to historians who are writing the Dune Encyclopedia. Right. Like at the beginning of Dune, the Orange Catholic Bible is referenced and is in general a like very widespread religious text. Yes. Was named as such in order to rope in people who had older faiths, like the ones that are present on Earth today. And so if there were religious characters from early religions that undermined the validity or the teachings of the Orange Catholic Bible, it is likely they would have been repressed Yes, in order to strengthen the hold that the Orange Catholic Bible would take. Totally. And it was only really the Bene Gesserit Azar book that redrew some of those connections that then maybe the, the historians here are going... Uh, we think that there's a guy named Jesus. It's crazy. Maybe Jesus. Not sure <laughs> from the Southern unit. But yeah. Good Lord. He had a big following. <laughs> he had a lot of people following him. Pretty good. Yeah, totally. And again, there could be arguments to be totally clear and transparent about this. That is the exact graph from the encyclopedia that references this religious figure. Yeah. We think it's Jesus. But, you know, you could name a number of prophets from many religions. <laughs> there were a few. By the time yeah. of Dune, like, yeah. the Orange Catholic Bible has mashed together basically every known human religion into, like, one right. megazord religion. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is probably Jesus, but I'm sure the template fits for countless prophets and messiahs out there. But it's fun <laughs> to think that this is a Jesus reference. Yeah, I, and I think it is. When, when we look at, like... Every person we're mentioning, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, they are almost like ubiquitous. They're almost like fully known by everyone because right. of the impact that they've had. And it's undeniable that like Christianity really has left <laughs> one of the biggest marks on human history of any of the faiths. So completely it, it could it could technically be a couple of different people, but it's I think it's pretty safe to say it's Jesus. Yeah. The, the next one is more definitive and also more <laughs> hilarious to me. Yes. <laughs> uh, the next one is a fucking wizard. <laughs> Straight up wizard. A literal wizard. You might have heard of him. His name is Merlin. <laughs> Amazing. Incredible. <laughs> so the Bene Gesserit archives are like, there was a guy. There was a potential Kwisatz Haderach, a potential uh -huh. savior. Yeah. Who knew of the future? He could tell future events. Hello. He had powers. He had abilities. He had these genetic qualities. But he rejected the role. He didn't want it. He didn't say, I don't, don't want to be a savior. I don't want to. I don't want that. Uh, instead, I'm going to buddy up with this dude. Going to make him king. Yeah. He's going to be king. I'll be his advisor. That's That's where I'm happiest. And that's what he did. King Arthur, literally King <laughs> Arthur's right-hand man, right. is a Kwisatz Haderach, Benny Gesserit potential savior. Amazing. Incredible stuff. Amazing. And even though he didn't buy into the Benny Gesserit ideology, yeah. talk about being as close to power as possible. King Arthur's right-hand man is someone that is in contact with the Benny Gesserit. It's amazing. And I do love the idea of him just being like, Nah, I don't know. Fuck that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be your savior. 
Yeah, I get that. <laughs> if I when when I turn thirty three, if some group approached me and they're like, "You are our mythological," I'm like, yeah, uh, "Right, I'm too old for this. I'm too old for a lot of things." <laughs> <laughs> I also have multiple times Googled, "Is Merlin real?" Still unclear. <laughs> right. I'm still not sure. Right. Well, according to Benny Gesserit history, he was real, and he was nearly yeah. a Kwisatz Haderach. That's true. That is what matters. <laughs> well, what follows is something that we all are more or less cognizant of. A few thousand years of basically female subjugation. Yeah. Right? Yep. Ladies, you got it hard. You got it hard in, in history and today still. But this is in both the northern and the southern cultures, which put a real damper on Bene Gesserit planning and control for millennia, literally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard to have complete control over your breeding program and over everything when so many cultures that were emergent and taking prominent control were patriarchal and were very oppressive toward women, made it very difficult. Yeah. And so they basically did their best. They just did their best to continue operations in secret, and they were effectively forced to operate like many of the uh, mothers who had found their way to patriarchal societies, mm-hmm. they were operating through their sons and through their husbands. So, right. you know, again, like Alexander the Great was given great education and then led rose to power, they would be making sure that their sons were somewhat indoctrinated and under their thumb a little bit. <laughs> Mama's boys throughout <laughs> history. Mama's chads. <laughs> mama's chads were like oh dope dope i might be the savior cool that sounds cool, right bro now despite that occasionally women would rise to power and rise to influence and in many of these cultures these women that rose to power were often part of the Bene Gesserit program right. or like in some way associated with someone of that genetic group yes and actually there is reference to the quote Woman who briefly held a dominant ecclesiastical position, end quote. Hmm. So a prominent position in the church. Right. Which is probably reference to Joan of Arc. Yeah, probably. Probably. Because the Dune Encyclopedia also talks about how it's a short-lived dominant position. And oh, Joan sure. of Arc was burned at the stake, I think, at 19 or something. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, after a little bit of research, it seems like this is a reference to Joan of Arc. Well. Pretty good. Yeah. So add another name to the list. We've got <laughs> Alexander the Great. We've got Caesar, Emperor Caesar. We've got Jesus, probably. Uh-huh. We've got Merlin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've got Joan of Arc. That's right. All pretty incredible. Yeah. All connected to the Bene Gesserit. Now, over the course of these troubled millennia, basically this like dark ages for the Bene Gesserit, the groups started to splinter. Their unified power, their unified structure started to break apart a little bit. And different pockets of the Bene Gesserit began to infiltrate different areas of social life. Yeah. Some got in with the aristocracy and the church. Others got in with the merchant class. And others began to spread among the peasantry. And the encyclopedia tells us that we know that the group that infiltrated the peasantry came to be known as the Wicca. W-I-C-C-A. And this Wicca group would practice both Bene Gesserit teachings and the modern sciences of their times, right? particularly focusing in on medicine. 
and this is a pretty clear picture to like ancient times, the idea of witch doctors and healers and old crones who will make you a potion <laughs> to heal your arthritis, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> this seems to me like a very clear sort of witchy reference to human yeah. history. Yeah. A lot of cultures will have women, particularly older women, who often act as healers or will often play a role in births. Right. And this Wicca group was part of the Bene Gesserit, broke off, infiltrated the peasantry, and played that role in human society. Yeah. We're also told that due to the political upheaval of this time, right? We're talking like Dark Ages. There were pockets of completely untrained Bene Gesserit women who had no connection to the Bene Gesserit order and had never been through one of their training programs or one of their schools. Right. And this is kind of actually really sad because the encyclopedia explains that these women would ultimately end up viewing their abilities through the patriarchal lens of the society they were a part of. Right. And quote, often went mad and in the process were either venerated or executed by their neighbors, their fates dependent on the interpretation of their local priests, end quote. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that on so many levels because on one level, yes, that this is like a very clear reference to things like witch hunts, right? Right. You're kind of weird. You're hearing voices. You must be a witch. Burn at the stake. Right. On another level, this kind of speaks to the idea that in these deeply patriarchal societies, women were told they were lesser, right? That if they exhibited any abilities that were different or powerful or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, they would be at the whims of the men in power in that society. They would start to view themselves as the witches, the weirdos, the da-da-da. I don't know. Like uh, this, this to me speaks to like a, the beautiful idea that if you never see yourself in pop culture as a hero, like if you never see a brown superhero in Marvel, if you never see a woman president, how do you ever imagine yourself in that position? Right. And to me, these untrained Benny Gesserit women never saw themselves as powerful Benny Gesserit with incredible mm. pa- abilities who could lead and infiltrate nations right. because they were never trained to think that way. And thus, they often went mad or were killed by the men in their society. It's yeah. beautiful. It's it's like a beautiful sentiment, and it really spoke to me. It's a really fascinating twist, I think. And I think this is why we both love fantasy and why we love fiction in general. Is it? It takes this premise of you are born with abilities. You can hear uh, ancestral voices. You have ancestral memories. Maybe you even have internal. Uh, people speaking to you from your past you can like you have these things yeah what if you were born into a society that only has like an ancient form of christianity right like what does that mean right and what is the story that that lends itself to and it is heartbreaking and tragic in this circumstance because these are women who are saying oh yeah i probably am possessed by a devil (laughs) right and burn me at the stake i guess so because yeah there's no i can't train to fix this it's me versus society because that's what society tells me right because that society doesn't have the vocabulary or the experience to say wait wait no this is actually a really fascinating genetic marker that makes you really special and really powerful yeah and in a different society you would rise to power but because you are unfortunate enough to not be connected to the Bene Gesserit and also in this kind of 
old world structure, this is what happens. Completely. Completely. In, in the same way that I think ultimately there, unless you believe in like absolutism and this idea of like there is ultimate good and evil, I think it gives you an opportunity to say if you don't fit into society, it may be society that is part of that problem. Right. That they've, they've given you these these terms to define yourself as less than. And I think a lot of the conversations about like mental health uh, these days, there's not a lot of sympathy for people who deal with really hard things that yeah. that make it hard to fit into the societal structure. And I think, yeah, I think that's kind of what you were saying, right? And Absolutely. The beauty of this is the idea that just because you are very different does not mean that you are <laughs> should be burned at the stake. Right, right. Or that you're lesser than or that you're. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they sort of absorb this view of themselves from what society tells them, right? Right. You're possessed by a demon and there's nothing <laughs> yeah. to be done. Sucks. And they're like, what if I just have it? Nope. No, 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 right. no, no, no. I've seen this before. Right. Definite demon. Exactly. Meanwhile, they, if they had gone to a Benny Gesserit training school, they'd be like, oh, no, you have superpowers, girl. Yeah. You know, and you absorb what society tells you by yourself. Yeah. Now, during this Dark Ages, sort of continuing on with the history here, the Dune Encyclopedia describes a lot of change happening for these various Bene Gesserit groups, these splinter groups. Multiple pockets will unite or divide or shift or travel because of various wars throughout human history, and in particular, because of the slave trade. Right, yeah. Now we're in the era of the slave trade, and humanity is spreading across the ocean to different continents and interacting with different people, which the Bene Gesserit then do a similar like, okay, let's bring these people into our breeding program, use the best of what they have to offer. So there's a lot of evolution happening here for these pockets of Bene Gesserit. Many of them are being moved around because of the slave trade. Many of them are being introduced to new gene pools that were never incorporated in their breeding programs before. And many of them are uniting or dividing based on the necessities of the time. So there's a lot in flux during this period of Bene Gesserit history. It is also worth noting that almost certainly there were people with Bene Gesserit wives uh, or mothers who were buying and selling men as slaves who were themselves also members of the Bene Gesserit breeding program and the Bene Gesserit genetic group. And so when we talk about dividing we are also talking about there were northern tribes buying and selling members of the southern units. And that is not necessarily the southern units being okay with it. Totally. <laughs> so totally. this division is not only geographical and social social and political. It's also a division and experience. Absolutely. It's interesting to think about that as well. Totally. That, that's a great point. So ultimately, wrapping up this era of the Bene Gesserit, this is a couple thousand years. They were at the height of their power and have now gone through a very long age of upheaval, a dark age that they are surviving through. Ultimately, this era ends after hundreds of years of conflict and many Bene Gesserit group do end up coming together. And miraculously, on the other side of this dark age, the Bene Gesserit come out stronger and more united than ever. And a lot of that, as the Dune Encyclopedia puts it, is in thanks to them embracing their genetic diversity. Right. These new groups that they have now come in contact with, instead of rejecting them or 
ugh, this, this sounds so gross, but breeding them out of the human gene pool, yeah. which is a thing the Bene Gesserit might have considered at some point. Totally. Instead of doing that, they've brought them into the fold and used the best of what all of humanity has to offer through the lens of the Bene Gesserit, which is genetics, basically. And that ultimately leads to a stronger and more unified Bene Gesserit group. So they've weathered the storm of thousands of years of human history and are miraculously at the other end of it, stronger than ever. Yeah, at the heart of this, I see sort of two acknowledgements within this lore. One is that indeed adversity and challenge and strife is experience and is lessons learned and is culture developed and is people strengthened and hardened. Yeah. This doesn't justify subjecting anybody to anything. But I think many people come away from experiences as a culture and go, wow, we are capable of facing this stuff. Yeah. And so as you have these groups reuniting, you have a variety of experiences, every shade of oppression. Yeah. What strength of spirit does that forge, right? And that's a very Dune idea, this idea of Amtal, the idea of adversity breeding strength and complacency and ease of modernity making you more likely to just kind of roll over when catastrophe hits. Yeah. So that's one thing. The second thing is, although the Bene Gesserit are not inherently a good or a bad group, yeah, they recognized the truth that we are stronger as a species with genetic diversity yep. and engaging with all of the diversity that humanity has to offer as a means of moving forward is like an ultimate truth. And I think that's like a really beautiful takeaway from all of this because- yeah. It is. The world of science fiction and fantasy can often look very not diverse, <laughs> where authors are more likely to make <laughs> characters elven than black. <laughs> They're like, can you fucking imagine elves? And it's like, can you imagine other ethnicities? <laughs> right. Uh, right. Would be nice to have some representation <laughs> in this fantasy. Totally true. Can you imagine a world with dragons? And I'm like, but no gay people. That's fascinating. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> More likely to have dark elves. Are the, are the like, dragons gay? Or? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so dope. Good lord. Anyway, yes. So I do think that in this fantasy universe, and especially because Frank doesn't really talk about ethnicity that much, we're seeing 20,000 years before, 25,000, 27,000 years before Dune begins, we see one of the most prominent powers in the Dune universe saying diversity is good. And diversity is a means of strength that we can draw from all of humanity, Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So let's wrap up today. There's one more smaller era of the Bene Gesserit we want to talk about for today's episode. Following a big unification of the northern and southern groups. So those have sort of become our two key groups of Bene Gesserit by this point in human history. There's a north group and a south group. Right. They eventually unify. And begin to call themselves the Bene Gesserit. Yeah. This is another different spelling, G-E-S-S-E-R-R-E-T-T-E. -E -T -T -E. It looks so much more French. I almost want it to be like, Bene, Bene Gesserit. Gesserit. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. There's like a French spelling there. You get a croissant with your Bene Gesserit. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So now we have sort of another central superpowered group now that these north and south carriers, these gene carriers have combined. Right. And right. they create a base of operations in an area called Wallachia. Yeah. And we're told that Wallachia is located actually at the junction point between north and south. 
And it's here in Wallachia that the breeding records that have been splintered for thousands of years because of the Dark Ages come together and are reunited and updated to perhaps the most comprehensive breeding records the Bene Gesserit have ever had are located at Wallachia up to this point in history. I also found this that point really, I don't know, remarkable because this is an indication that even though there are these splintered groups of northern unit, southern unit Bene Gesserit out there, maybe on different sides of wars and on different sides of like the slave trade and things like that. Yeah. They are still keeping track of their breeding records. Right. And so this is the unification of all of those records, which talking about, you know, bringing all this stuff, pooling resources. That's incredible. Incredible. So we talked about different units. They're all keeping track of their Bene Gesserit breeding program. The idea of this male savior or the person who can unite the genetic ancestral past is still alive and well Yes, with each of these groups. Completely. That's now part of the Bene Gesserit fabric. You can't right. separate breeding program and Bene Gesserit. They're one and the same. Yeah. So this kicks off a sort of golden age, as we mentioned, for the Bene Gesserit. Old training programs, for example, that hadn't been operating for hundreds or even thousands of years are started back up again. Schools are reopened and spread further than ever before in Bene Gesserit and human history. The Dune Encyclopedia tells us that it only took around 300 years for the North and South groups to be fully integrated, to just become one group, breeding program, different schools, all of it united in just a few hundred years. And we're even told that parts of the Northern group, the Northern group mostly fared much better than the South, as we discussed. Parts of the Northern group even opened up schools for other things beyond Bene Gesserit training. Sure, yeah. They opened up schools under the guise of religion to, for example, educate aristocratic females in their societies or to provide occupational training for the working class females in their societies. They were operating not just as, oh, are you an active gene holder? We need to train you and indoctrinate you. Right, right. They are so powerful or growing in strength now to the point where they're like, yeah, let's just do like a general propaganda campaign, you know? Let, let's yeah. just train the working class. Let's educate the aristocratic class. Obviously, you can imagine that they're sort of seeding in some of their ideology here and there. Totally, totally, yeah. But they're just like, yeah, we're powerful. Part of spreading our influence is just to like educate the women out there. I also got the impression that some of these educational institutions that they establish are open to everybody. Yeah. And they are, if they are like the best educational institution, even if it's like, oh, it's kind of part of this culture, like whatever, it still gives them an opportunity. If they're teaching the children of today, they are influencing the power structures of tomorrow. Yes. And they can, as you point out, kind of massage people's beliefs and their feelings toward, you know, like maybe, uh, maybe it's all right to, you know, I don't know, have have a uh, woman president, <laughs> right. which I say tragically as part of a country that's never fucking had one. <laughs> right, right. Damn it. But the ability to, to teach people and the perception of you are an accredited university or like an institution that you can learn all sorts of things in gives them control and influence over literally all sorts of things. <laughs> totally. If you're learning masonry with them. You're going to make <laughs> buildings that work well for Bene Gesserit purposes. That's absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. If they can provide the best there is to offer in a community, there's no reason they wouldn't have plenty of students. Yeah. 
like I, I when when I was younger, I went to a Catholic school because it was yep. the schools in my small town were shitty. And my parents yeah. were like, we're going to send you to the only good school around here, <laughs> which is this like deeply Catholic school. Like I went to like church and shit. Wow. Uh, I, the indoctrination didn't work. Um, <laughs> in fact, I think it went dramatically the opposite way. Yeah. And I'm like the least religious I've ever been. But... <laughs> Weird how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Th- I, that rings true to me as well. I think I, you're spot on with your point that like this was a more open program than it ever was in Benny Chesert history. And it was basically open to anyone and everyone not to mention they're like need we tell you about our recent graduates from the <laughs> Benny Gesserit educational program <laughs> Alexander the Great oh Caesar uh-huh Jesus my god <laughs> ever heard of him literally <laughs> could be could be your god <laughs> and also Merlin and also Joan of Arc and, and also Arc. so many fucking people <laughs> getting right me. right come to our school <laughs> yeah their donor list is massive you know yeah <laughs> incredible their alumni association is like you want me to call jesus and ask him <laughs> to donate this year yeah listen we taught him what, what's he gonna do say no <laughs> oh what happened to him oh dear oh dear okay i hadn't heard hmm. let's update those <laughs> records let's update we shouldn't be we've been sending letters to his family for three thousand years that's embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we're going to end it today. We're going to end on a yeah. high note. The Benny Gesserit are in another golden era. They're at the height of their power. They're unified. Their breeding records are more complete than they've ever been. Right. And things are looking great. Yeah. They've come a long way from their tribal ancestry. And they've survived this very long thousands of year dark age and have miraculously emerged on the other side stronger than ever. Indeed. So they're in a good place. And that's where we're going to leave them off for today. But of course, there will be a part two of this episode where we will talk about the next <laughs> 10,000-ish yeah. years of Benny Gesserit history. Because again, yeah. we are still ancient Earth history. We are far away from the pages of Dune. And there is much more story to tell, which right. we will cover in part two. Indeed. So let's wrap up with a fun question. Yeah. And on today's episode, you know, we covered quite a few historical legendary characters right keep joking about it alexander the great caesar jesus (laughs) merlin (laughs) joan of arc so abu here's the question Uh uh-huh what modern today political public uh person today do you think is either a quisatz hatterick candidate (laughs) (laughs) someone who's got like the active gene and maybe it's just like an exemplary guy yeah. or the potential savior, Chad, or (laughs) (laughs) a Benny Gesserit of secret rank, Mm. which is to say a a member of the Benny Gesserit, like mother group, the the controlling group that is secretly embedded within a patriarch. Right. Pulling the strings from the shadows. Yeah. This is an incredible question. I love this so much. Um, I'll throw out two answers out there. Sure. And these are both based on my very recent experiences of the past few days. I think the potential Kwisatz Haderach of our time mm-hmm. is Shara Khan. <laughs> yes. I recently rewatched the classic SRK film, Kalahonaho, with my sister, which is a 10 out of 10 perfect film. <laughs> yeah. And Shara <laughs> carries that movie 
by yeah. himself. The whole yeah. movie rides on his shoulders. No disrespect to the other actors. They all have amazing careers. They're big Bollywood actors. But my God, every time Shahrukh <laughs> cries in that movie, I'm weeping. Yeah. The man can bring emotion to a scene. He's incredible in that film. He's incredible in a number of films for the yeah. Shahrukh fam- fans out there. Shout out to the SRK homies. <laughs> I don't think that's possible if you don't have an active Kwisatz Haderach gene somewhere mm-hmm. within you, unless yep. you can tap into the consciousness. His level of acting ability, obviously his level of fame, it can only be possible with deep <laughs> Benny Chesarit roots and an yeah. active gene that helps you tap into the human consciousness. He has millions of followers, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> millions of people. Yeah. And billions, yeah. B, billions with a B number of fans out there. That's true. Like perhaps one of the most recognizable actors in the world. Yeah. Active today. I also just want to quickly say he recently starred in a movie called Pathan. Mm. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. In which he is absolutely jacked, like eight pack jacked. <laughs> Wow. And that's incredible because he's not a young man anymore. He peaked in Bollywood in the 90s and early 2000s when he was younger. He's like in his late 50s, like 57 or something. And my guy is still starring in like these action movie (laughs) roles. Yeah. Like jacked to the nines. It's incredible. You know, I don't know. Obviously, he has trainers. He works hard. But some of that has got to be some active genes that are helping him out. What's crazy is in those, those movies, all of the action sequences... No VFX, all practical. all practical. He just does the thing. All That's him. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't need a stunt guy. He doesn't need nets. He doesn't need to be wired into anything. He actually does the stunt work for all of the other actors <laughs> in a variety of cosmetics in order to just, because he's the only one who can. And yep. everyone on set's like, oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> so, the savior. So Shara Khan is my nomination for the Kwisatz Haderach of our time. The potential Kwisatz Haderach. Uh-huh. When it comes to Benny Jesuit of Secret Rank, I'm going to nominate basically every pilot that I have ever flown on a plane with. Like airplane pilot. Okay. Airplane pilot. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm always just in awe of pilots and what they do every single day in and out. Yeah. Flying a plane feels like black magic to me and they just do it. Yeah. I recently returned from a Mexico trip and the landing at JFK in New York was <laughs> extremely dangerous and windy. Like the pilot was like, there's going to be fire trucks on the ground. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and was, every, this during, every, was this during like the Nor'easter? It was, it wasn't or like, like snowing or raining to... or anything. It was just like a really high, like wind gusts of up to 40 wow. miles per hour sort of day. Good Lord. Okay. You know? And like, that's not <laughs> ideal conditions to land a plane full of people no. in. I don't think I could land a plane on the perfect day, right. let alone you're talking about. Hard mode, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, like, the, you know, <laughs> these pilots were flying this fucking plane on a hard mode, and it was scary. And I was like, oh, my God, here we go. I'm going to die. <laughs> and somehow it was, like, a nearly perfectly smooth landing. Wow. Like, the fire trucks were there. We came in really hard and fast because we had to cut through the wind gusts, basically, and we just, like, slammed into the ground. It was no worse than other – I've had worse landings is what I'm going to say. Like this pilot wow. pulled some wow. black magic fucking sacrifice <laughs> up in the cockpit yeah, and landed that plane smoothly. And I just don't think that happens without deep Benny Gesserit training. He's been to a school, a Benny Gesserit school. He's had that training. He's tapping into his memories and his uh, human consciousness. He or she, whoever, you know, the plane pilot is um, landing this plane. Yeah. Through 40 mile hour wind gusts. 
and I'm back here just like, that wasn't bad. That was pretty smooth. I was shitting myself for no reason. <laughs> so Amazing. that's that's uh, wow. that's my nomination for the Benny Jesuits out there who are currently operating. I would wager that a vast majority of them are pilots because planes are black magic. My God, I just, this is so stupid. But Kwisatz Haderach, right? You remember what it means? Yeah. The shortening of the way. What else would you call flying from continent to continent? <laughs> wow. Yeah. The Benny Desert, like, we, there will wow. be one who connects humanity. And it's like, hi, this is your Quizas Hunterx speaking. We're going to be taking <laughs> off. It's going to be a gentle flight. <laughs> Benny Desert on board's like, he's the one. He's the one. <laughs> he's shortening the way between he's me and Cancun. Yeah. <laughs> Used to take years to get there. Four wow. hours. My God, he shortened the way. <laughs> wow. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So shout out to uh, any of the plane pilots. Hell yeah. Out there Hell in our yeah. audience or in the world. Y'all are, y'all are doing some black magic shit. Merlin would be impressed. Merlin would be impressed. I also, as someone who's like, I got my driver's license and I was learning to drive. And driving in a car full speed down a freeway. It's like, it's like part of it is still stressful. You're like, wow, I could totally. die at any moment. So much worse when you put your family in the car, your like parents are in the backseat or whatever, or like, yeah. you know, uh, siblings in the, it's like so much worse. Right. And then pilots get on an airplane and it's like 150 people <laughs> that I have to fly this jet, this rocket, this ballistic missile. Right. Agreed. Yeah. You are all and then, and then I have to land on a tiny little strip that is barely visible from the sky. Yeah. Cool. I can do it. <laughs> no problem. That Benny Jesuit yeah. training, you know? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> all right. What about you? So those are my nominations. Who do you think is the potential Kwisatz Haderach of our time? And who are the Benny Jesuits out there? Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll walk you through my thought process. Yeah. I was thinking about who who has like, who exhibits excellence but mm. also has maneuvered themselves to be in a position to help humanity in a in a very aggressive way like i think i love your uh shark khan mm -hmm. nomination because i think painting in a picture of excellence that looks like him yeah <laughs> spectacular and empowering and beautiful especially in this like in in today's world i was thinking my one of the first thoughts i had was bill nye bill nye the science guy <laughs> Because the fellow's smart. He's a Hell smart, yeah. clever dude. Clearly pretty dang well-educated. Seems to have a pretty solid grasp, a suspicious grasp on mm. history. Mm -hmm. well, and then also it does quite a bit to steer humanity toward preserving nature and protecting our future as a species. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like that's kind of Kwisatz Haderach behavior. You know, like he's seen the future. And then is doing his best to kind of steer us through being an influencer and being recognizable. Right. This is someone who an uh, elevator door opens and screaming party girls are like, holy fucking shit, don't lie the science guy. And it's like, that's, that's influence. That's power. Truly. Uh, and then the other, the other thought that I had was Greta Thunberg. <laughs> 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 because this girl was out here. She was like 15. I mean, she's right. like 19 now, but like, a teenager. So she's like old and washed up. No, but like she used to be. <laughs> yeah. She is a child. She is a child. Right. And she was out here toe for toe. Toe for toe? Hmm. Mono she's out here. Mano. <laughs> mano y mano. Duke's up just slugging away. 
with adults. Yeah. Whole ass adults. She's putting them to shame. They're saying some dumbass stuff and she's putting them in their place. She's a child. Yeah. It's incredible. Amazing. There's no way she's not a Benny Jesuit of secret. <laughs> That's so spot on. I love that. I'm just saying, like, I think she's got the ancestral memory. I think she also could be seeing some of the future. Same thing as Bill Nye, right? She might be yeah. seeing the devastation that we're causing and the fact that, like, maybe if we fuck up this only planet that we're on, we might not be set up for a galactic civilization. So I think she's she's a pretty strong candidate. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I, I like your picks in particular because they're both averting disaster for humanity. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is very much a Benny Jesuit goal is keep hu humanity alive and thriving. Right. Like Charak is an entertainer, but I don't know that he's averting any disasters in particular. <laughs> Bill Nye, Greta, they're out there literally spending their lives educating and enhancing humanity's understanding of the world and trying to save us all well i think what i think with shirok has, has, has noticed as a quisat tatarak potential he sees the power of media mm. and the ability of storytellers to motivate myth building right? yeah that's true and i think he's engaging with the modern power structure which is hollywood is bollywood is one of the biggest media generating countries in the world creating movies for billions of people he could have he could put a message in his next movie that will reach billions of people that's true so i think he's set up he set himself up for uh influence that's true i don't know yeah well if we get a cease and desist from a mysterious group <laughs> with the initials bg after we publish this yeah. episode we'll know one of these theories is spot on indeed <laughs> agreed we know you're out there penny jesser we know we fucking know you're out there Alrighty. Well, that wraps up part one of our history of the Benny Gesserit discussion. Of course, there's much more to talk about in part two. But before we close off today's episode and let you go, we want to remind you of some ways to support us here at Gamjabar and some ways to keep in touch with us. First and foremost, the best way to support the podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Gamjabar. You'll get cool benefits like ad-free episodes, weekly blooper clips, and cut content, and of course, an invite to our exclusive Discord server where you can chat with me and Leo directly, mm -hmm. as well as the incredible geeky members of our community. It's true. Another great way to support us, check out our merchandise, Dune-themed merchandise. If you like Dune, we got some stuff for you. Gomjabarshop.com. So gomjabarshop.com is a home on the web for some Dune-themed merchandise. We've got art, apparel, mugs, some other fun stuff. You can check it out. All original designs. Totally. And finally, a reminder that we love to hear from you. Today's episode happened because of a listener email, because y'all got in touch with us and requested this episode topic. So email us at gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com. Indeed. We love to hear your thoughts. We love to get your questions, your episode topic ideas. And I have particularly been enjoying the pictures of your pets that y'all have been including <laughs> in those emails. I love yeah. that that's now just a Gamjabar tradition. If you're going to email us, Indeed. include a picture of your adorable furry friend. Well, 
Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Wadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path.